Major Spoilers theme song. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod- on on the air. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod pod podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, 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 the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. All right, we're going to slide into the main show. Hey, everybody. Uh, thank you for checking us out this week. Big shout-outs to uh, Salem Mooch, who, who became one of our new yearly patrons this week, and to Oliver Jones, who is our newest patron. Obviously, this is a general chat episode, but we have a whole slew of cool guests this week. Uh, Scott Johnson is here once again. Hello, Scott. Hello. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Oh, it's always a pleasure when you are on the show. It's always so much fun. You've got so much insight to stuff. And then speaking of people who have insight to stuff that he'll never tell us about any of it is one Jason Inman. Hello, Jason. Hello, Stephen. It's a pleasure to come back into the spoilerite nation. It's uh, always great to pot. it's always great to have What do you, you call here. this? Do you have a name for your island, your your podcast group? Uh, major major spoilers, spoilers podcast. Yeah, Major Spoilers Podcast Network. Uh, and then for our peoples uh, for Major Spoilers, we call them spoilerites. And uh originally, before it was co-opted, <laughs> we had uh, all of our critical hit fans. We called critters, but then someone else decided to use critters. Who would do that now? Who would come and? Oh, I man. have no idea. <laughs> and so then we then we uh, called all of our critical hit fans critical hittites. So that also didn't work very well. <laughs> critical hittites. <laughs> all right. Oh, hey. Uh, speaking of jokes that fell flat, <laughs> man, there was more than one person who got got by that NFT announcement last week, Rodrigo. Oh, I I believe it because you kind of got me. <laughs> I was uh, I was pulling up uh, what other podcasts I could be on uh, <laughs> as as you were talking about it, and then it turned out that you were doing a bit. I was doing a whole bit. I Scott, I announced that we were doing NFTs and just moved on with the uh, the show, and everybody thought that I was being serious about it. And then I came back later in the show, and I was like, "Oh no, we got all these emails coming in. How everyone's against NFTs. We're not going to do F- NFTs. We're going to switch to cryptocurrency instead." And then I just moved on with the show for another 20 minutes or so. And then at the end, I, was, I, I made it going, okay, listen, we're going to go back to the old way, value for value. Come join our Patreon at patreon.com slash major spoilers. And then wow. that's when, and that's when uh, <laughs> these guys finally got it. And I was like, oh, I, I really thought you guys knew I was joking because I do not care for the NFTs. No, you, that, you're a brave person for even poking that bear. I'm impressed. That's, there was yeah. more than one person who stopped the moment I said we're getting into NFTs and then switched topics. They literally stopped the podcast, either jumped into the discord or sent me an email or sent me a DM <laughs> and said, are you guys seriously doing this? Cause I'm not going to listen anymore. If you guys are doing this, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It was a risk and it was something that I've been pondering over for like literally weeks to figure out if that was going to work or not. I was just like, well, you'll never know if you don't try. So, yeah, I mean, it was a good... It's a well, good I'm down for Spoiler Coin. You can laugh at it now, right? It's fine now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Spoiler Coin, Rodrigo. Are you down for that? Uh, do I do I get any for being part of Major Spoilers, or do I have to buy in? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll give you a, a free <laughs> uh, Spoiler Coin. It'll be worth kind of like the Doge, right? It'll be worth like .0005 of a cent, or whatever it is, of a dollar. You, gotta buy you, you can take a hundred thousand of those and maybe someday it'll be worth 0.05 of a dollar. So. I mean, 
to, to hear these guys tell it, it's already on the rise. <laughs> I guess, if everybody's talking better, about it. Better jump in now, I guess. Oh, no. speaking of something that people need to jump in on right now, like today. I mean, I know you all stopped because you thought that we were seriously going to do NFTs. We're not going to do NFTs. But the thing that you seriously need to stop this podcast, or at least pause it, you need to go over to Kickstarter because, Jason, you have a new Kickstarter that launched last week. We kind of teased it a little bit. Tell us all about it. Uh, it is uh, it's something super exciting. It's a sequel. So I think that's all, already a good sign. Yeah, it's a sequel to my uh, Kickstarter campaign from last year. It's Super Best Friend, and this is Super Best Friend Issue 2. It's a 44-page original independent comic book that is full of Silver Age energy that tells the story of Matty Moore, the best friend of the world's most popular superhero, Captain Terrific. And one day, Matty accidentally live streams his best friend's super secret identity onto the entire internet. And this whole book is about him putting that secret identity, surviving cybernetic clones, electric doppelgangers, and even the United States Army that is chasing him and kind of fixing his best friend's relationship and his best friend's life. And it's over on Kickstarter right now at superbestfriendcomic.com. It's a very fun campaign. I have lots of fun tiers. Uh, but this Kickstarter campaign is also very special to me because it literally checks off a bucket list item for me. Uh, see, when I was a wee little lad, uh, the comic book that got me into reading comic books was The Death of Superman. And one of the main artists on that story was Mr. Dan Jurgens, creator of Booster Gold. And um, I reached out to the gentleman and said, hey, would you pencil a variant cover for Super Best Friend? And he did not say no. He said it, yes, actually, which surprised the hell out of me. So uh, Super Best Friend has a Dan Jurgens variant cover, and it's literally a dream come true. Nice. That is super cool. So I've got to ask, so there, I got a lot of questions, but I want to ask about the Dan Jurgens thing. You just call up Dan Jurgens, say, hey, Dan Jurgens, oh, hey, Dan Jurgens, my name's Jason Inman. Uh, how do you, how do you approach that? Because, because, you know, what was it a year and a half ago? Maybe it wasn't even a year and a half ago. You did the whole thing where Kevin Smith suddenly shows up on your, on your live stream, on your charity stream. And it's like, how do you get those big names to sign onto your projects? You have to send a very short, a very kind, and a very professional email. And you basically shoot your shot. Now, with Kevin, that was the case. Like, with Kevin, we, we, we literally reached out to him blind and said, hey, would you want to do this? And he was very kind and very nice to say yes and give us an hour of his time. With Dan, um, I met Dan at some comic book conventions uh, a couple of years ago. And I, luckily, I've been able to stay in touch with him. So uh, luckily, it was very—it was a lot easier to ask Dan to be like, hey, would you consider this? It was more the idea of would Dan consider my story worthy enough for his pencils? Well, and I think it's interesting, too, because it's like, what if Jimmy Olsen and Superman, but social media, right? Is that kind of a, a short yeah. kind of a, a pitch to that? That's a and yeah, it's a very it's a very easy way to put it. Yeah. So. It's been out for a week now up on Kickstarter, and we're hoping that more people after listening to this show will go over and uh, sign up for the Kickstarter now. If you don't want to get the Dan Jurgens variant cover, that's fine. If you don't want to get the physical copy, that's fine. Uh, Jason has a, a PDF, an electronic copy that you can get. That's the one that I signed up for. Um, but, you know, yeah. what's what's been the response in the last week? It's been really positive. This is the 
fastest Kickstarter campaign I've ever fun- had funded. It funded in like 9.5 hours, and wow. I did not expect, because you never know what you're going to expect with sequels. Mm-hmm. And basically the whole idea is, you know, I I lean this comic book hard into everything that I love about comic books. And, and you know, and online fandom, which is a world that we all work in, basically. And I wanted to pump this all into the book. And so I'm very glad that everybody was you know, excited for like, oh, hey, there's a Superman red character in this story. And, you know, nice. and people were like, oh, that's an interesting idea. There's a cyborg, you know, Superman analog in the story. Oh, that's very interesting. Um, I, the, the interesting thing about this time around is that I think people have caught on to the zaniness of it and that I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not trying to tell a modern age story here. I, I'm trying to tell I, I always call like like to say that it's a silver age adventure with a Photoshop filter on top. Mm hmm. Who's who's the artist? Same artist this time around. Uh, so they are the whole creative team. The artist is it's, it's George Cambadies, who also ha, uh, is working on Buckhead for Boom Studios. Yeah, Taylor Esposito is the letterer. Brittany Matter is the editor, and then we also have uh, another variant cover by Sarah Louver, who did a dialogue uh, cover for me last time. She's the one that people would say it's cutesy. She's Comic Girl on Twitter, mm-hmm. and uh, the secondary cover uh, for this one homages. Superman 123, which was also drawn by Dan Jurgens, but that is the first cover that ever featured Electric Superman. So I de- intentionally wanted oh, cool. to wink and nod and tip my hat to that uh, very famous issue. It's always good to hear someone else pronounce people's names because your artist, I always pronounce his name very different, uh, oh. but it's, <laughs> it's, it's also I, very appropriate <laughs> because I think that that's what I think of his art is it's very badass. So... And so I've been I've been a big fan of George for years. He lives in Greece. Mm-hmm. I've actually never met him in person. And before I launched the first Kickstarter, I, I I actually got on a Zoom call with him and said, "Hey, pronounce your name for me live, so I don't screw it up." There you go. <laughs> and he did. There you so, go. <laughs> Scott, you've had a couple of Kickstarters too, right? I mean, uh, have you had the same uh, success uh, funding in such short amount of times, or what has been your your uh, path to goal? With well, thankfully, I've somebody uh, on each Kickstarter I've done, I've worked with to make sure we're kind of covering all our, you know, all our bases, crossing our T's and dotting our I's and making sure there's nothing we're missing. Um, because of that preparation, I feel like we've done better than we would have. I feel like they would have done okay anyway, but um, I did a compilation of old comics that I did uh, back in 2015. That was our really, our big first big one. Mm-hmm. And that was well um i can't remember what it was in the end but it was a lot higher than what we were asking for that worked out really well and then um the fastest one from zero to funding i think was probably the recent card game i made um, rock raiders rock runners yeah and that thing yeah. took off and i think funded in the first afternoon or something something like that um but i think a lot of it is i mean there's Jason can probably confirm this, but I don't think there's ever a Kickstarter, no matter what you've got or what you're doing or how low or high your goals are, whatever. There's a certain special kind of anxiety associated with Kickstarters that it it doesn't exist in other ways of getting your work either purchased or, or, you know, found or whatever, or putting it in stores um, because you're so beholden to these people directly in a very personal way. And you're just so dead set on making sure nothing goes bad that you you sometimes can overthink that. And the entire time, even if I'm funded, I'm still like, oh, my gosh, I'm so nervous about this, so nervous about this. 
And people always say, well, why are you nervous about it? You did great. You're going to be fine. And I'm like, I know, but it's, it's all about fulfillment. And that day where I'm, you can say, I sent everyone to everyone, you know, yeah. I'm going to agree with you on that because there have been some Kickstarters that I get very, very excited about. I'm not going to mention a person who you and I, uh, Scott Johnson, both know that I'm like, oh, I cannot wait for this project. And then the project is takes years to fulfill or never gets fulfilled. And that just annoys the crap out of me. Uh, or even stuff like some of these game manufacturers. Uh, now, I realize we're in a different time because of uh, supply chain issues and getting stuff shipped from from China. But, you know, there's been games that I funded like three years ago that are just now arriving and i i from a uh person who participates in kickstarter that's the thing that annoys me the most what i like though is i get excited when somebody like jason or you scott who comes out and says ah i've got this great new project here it is and you get me all excited about it and i want to jump in i can certainly understand if it was my first kickstarter i would be nervous as heck but jason this is like your what fourth kickstarter fifth kickstarter this is, uh, I believe it's my sixth Kickstarter, but my seventh wow. crowdfunding campaign. And Lost and count. You, yeah, yeah he, he's so successful, he lost count. Um, but, I mean, are, do you still no, have that same it's level? It's just hard of, to remember. It's been like 10 no, years. I know. Do you still get that same level of nervousness <laughs> with each one? Or do you go, look, I've built up a, a fan base off of the previous Super Best Friends. And... So I know that there's going to be a large portion, if not more people that come over for volume two. No, Scott is absolutely right. There is a special kind of anxiety that only exists with Kickstarters. And I, for me, I think it's the idea that um, for these 30 days, that campaign is always on and it's always in your brain and you're always thinking about it. Even before the, like the, the, about the couple of months lead up to the project, like you're just, I feel like there's not a day that I'm not thinking about that Kickstarter and wondering, Oh, will it fund? Are these people going to realize that I'm a fraud and run away? <laughs> or, you know, did they, did they get a comic bent in the mail last time? And now yeah. they won't donate no matter what. Yeah. Um, you oh, know, yeah. like lots of things out of your control, I think, add to your anxiety. And and then when it's live and even when you're funded, I find it's more the thing of like, well, why isn't it going higher? How come only one person back today? What can I do mm. differently? <laughs> mm -hmm. I, you know, I guess I can understand that. I guess a lot of that is just making sure that you're keeping up with your community and, and talking with everybody and saying, hey, here's what we did today. Here's what's coming next and revealing stretch goals or or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm curious if you, and you don't have to reveal numbers or anything specific and, and Scott, feel free to jump in here too, Jason, because you're, most of your Kickstarters have all been all comic book related. Have you noticed a mm -hmm. upward trend from Kickstarter to Kickstarter? Cause I guess what I'm saying is for a comic book series, the first issue sells big. The second issue may be okay, but by the third issue sales have dropped in half my, I guess my experience or mm -hmm. what I see from my side of the Kickstarter is that with each successful campaign, your growth and your presence just grows. Your, your success rate and, and uh, value continues to grow. I think that's true. If the Kickstarter person or the crowdfunding person maintains the quality. And I, and by what I mean by that is like, not even the quality of, you know, the art, which is so subjective, more mm -hmm. the quality of, what they delivered for the last campaign. Um, like I, I, I find it very important for me because I like, I'm like with you, Steven, where I have Kickstarters that have never fulfilled. And so mm -hmm. I'll never run another Kickstarter unless I fulfilled the first one. 
Right. Like they all have to be out the door before I'll yeah. even consider planning oh, the next totally, campaign. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. There's other companies like, I'll be honest, come on, just, uh, we'll launch one Kickstarter and two days before it finishes, they'll launch another one. And it's a year and a half before they fulfill the one that they just started and those kind of things. So I appreciate that kind of thing, uh, that kind of uh, attitude, Jason. Uh, but I, again, I, I guess I would say that, you know, your first Jupiter jet issue, for example, that one I can see being very nervous. And then the second one had success. And then when you jump into your current, uh, issues, it feels like that people know who you are and know what to expect. So it's, and again, I don't, I don't know from that perspective, but it seems like the number of people that are willing to jump in on this most recent project are, you know, willing to put the money down because they know of your success rate before. Does that, I guess, does past success, is that an indicator of how much more you can make or how successful you will be on the the next one that you do? I think it definitely translates. I think because you become a little bit more of a known quality and, um, you know, the other thing that I've noticed, and I don't know if this is just exclusive to Kickstarter more so than like if you were to put a book in stores, but the thing I have noticed about Kickstarter is as when you're doing like a series, like what I'm doing with Super Best Friend 1, 2, and 3, because, you know, the next one will be issue 3 and that'll be the finale. Mm-hmm. People want more pages. So yeah. I find that we, we noticed this on Jupiter Jet. Jupiter Jet 2 had more backers than Jupiter Jet 1. And I think it was because a lot of our tiers were, were like, oh, hey, you can get Jupiter Jet 1 and Jupiter Jet 2. And that was right. very appealing to people on Kickstarter. So I, I yeah. actually like have a weird prediction. And, and I don't mean this in an arrogant thing, but this, it's just the trend I've noticed. I kind of think Super Best Friend 3 will probably be bigger than either of these two just because but, I will yeah. have more pages. Yeah, and I've heard that from other people. Um, uh, what's his name that does Evil Ink and the guy that I just recently jumped on his Patreon, um, Dave Kellett, who does, uh, let me find it really quick in my in my feed. Now I, I don't have a drive. He does this this uh, webcomic series drive. They talk about that a lot, is that the more success, the, the success that you have and the more that you can add, like what you're talking about, issue one, two, and three, get the last two trades or mm-hmm. get the last three things that people are like, oh, I see more value in that. So I'll jump in and and support this. Have have you seen I that? Think, I don't thing? know. I can't describe it other than like the the, the collector mentality of it. Yeah, all. and I, and and I don't think your statement was arrogant at all. I think that's very practical because that's something that I'm very interested in in looking at how people succeed or fail on Kickstarter. Is I would expect that on Kickstarter you would have upward growth, whereas if you were releasing this through a Diamond Publishers, you may not have the upward growth from issue to issue. If that makes sense. Yeah. Which is true for almost every series, even Marvel and DC. Yeah. Uh, Scott, have you had that same kind of experience where your each Kickstarter has a higher success rate than the other? Yeah, they've all, I mean, it, what's weird is mine have been a little bit more diverse. So one time it was one of the early nerdtaculars were funded via Kickstarter. And mm, I remember uh, that. Yeah. You know, kind of a moderate one. No big deal. Uh, the book was a, a, a big one um, that got beat by the, by the card game. And there was something else in the middle of there that I can't remember. Is that the, uh, the, the poker cards? Oh, right. The 2018 one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that one did really well. And then the one after that did bigger than it. So, so yeah, they have kind of incrementally gotten bigger. And I don't know if it's just, I don't know what it is. Like you, you know, I think, I think Rock Runners did, be, did well because partly because there's, um, 
you know, there were people who were really happy with the 2018 playing card thing. And it's felt like a good, you know, kind of a good evolution of where I was headed. Um, if I was to do a follow-up, like we are, we are talking about making a, a version of the game. That's basically mana runners. It would be a, you know, a fantasy take. Oh on yeah. Mm-hmm. Idea. If we ended up doing that, um, you know, part of me is like, well, we should probably just make those through the store and not, you know, try to, I don't want to look like we're trying to milk this cow again, you know, I'm, Cause I'm, I'm always, I've got that FOMO or not FOMO, whatever it is, the uh, imposter syndrome, real bad with stuff like this. And so I'm always like a little more hesitant. My business guy's like, no, it's fine. This is how you do it or whatever. Um, but they have gone bigger uh, each time, especially when they're in similar genres, I suppose is a good way of putting it. Um, but I imagine that would be even more true for something like Jason's work, because you're talking about, you know, it's comic work each time. And that seems like that should only build on itself. I would think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that's, I, I get where you're coming from with that imposter syndrome, Scott, and not wanting to launch, but I think it sounds like from what you're saying, Jason is you need to come up with those, uh, follow-ups as quickly as possible. Yeah. So if you've got the mana game, get it yeah, going. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, I think we're yeah. gonna, we just got to pull the trigger, but yeah, there's that feeling of like, I need there's it's a competing thing because part of my brain's like you know what you got to get on this and get that out there because this is you know it's you got to do it while it's still in the memory and people are playing the other one and all this other stuff and then part of me's like yeah but we just asked all of them for money are we doing that again you know like there's that weird disconnect that I'm not very good at what is, what is your response to that I feel you I feel exactly the same way Scott yeah. I was gonna say I feel exactly the same way it is always one of those things where like I, I don't know about you Scott but for me like the hardest part of it was it's every time is deciding the dollar amounts mm-hmm. because I'm always like, is this worth that dollar amount to so, like, or if I saw this, would I be like, Oh yeah, that's a good tier or like, that's way too expensive. Yeah. yeah. But I think, I think you've got some really interesting and in the past, uh, past Kickstarter campaigns, uh, Jason, you've had some really cool stretch goals, like uh, have your comic critiqued by a professional or have your script uh, critiqued by a professional. What what are some of the stretch goals you yeah. have on on this one, or some of the tiers that you have on this one? I guess. Oh, do you mean do you mean like do you mean like tiers? Yeah, yeah. Like that's yeah, yeah. that's one I like to do every single time because I feel like it's always really good to give back, and mm-hmm. um, you know, like to give. I even offer like Kickstarter campaigns. I'm like, I'll look at your Kickstarter campaign and, and give you my thoughts on it and stuff like that. Uh, we have that one. I always love to put cameos in the book if the if the artist isn't done with the book yet, and luckily. George has about like eight more pages to draw. So we could like easily, we have like a, uh, some cameos where people can draw into the book. Um, one of my favorite ones in this one is because this is about a live streamer and there are like YouTube comments mm-hmm. in the comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be named as like one of the commenters that are just nice. insulting or praising the he- the characters in this book. Oh, that's um, nice. so that's I a like really that. fun one. Yeah. Is it so, um, hmm. but I, I always try to make them different because I do think we do see a lot of uh, Kickstarter campaigns here and there where, um, you know, it is kind of like the same standard set rewards. And, you know, I, I always try to like jazz it up a bit. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, the, I, I guess one of my, so I kind of made the decision this year that I was not going to do any Kickstarters because the last couple of years, it's like, again, not going to name any game companies, uh, but uh, they put out a product that's like, hey, you can get in on this for $200. And then by the time you're done with the campaigns and all the add-ons, it's like, oh, I've just spent $700. And so I've mm-hmm. kind of said that I'm not going to get into Kickstarters this year because I don't want to spend 
four, five, six hundred dollars on 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 a product. Uh, granted, it may be worth it in the end, but that that cost is very high. But then, you know, I look at what you're doing, Jason. I'm like, ah, man, this is something that's totally worth, you know, dropping, you know, twenty bucks, a hundred bucks, whatever it is, uh, for the for the different tiers. So I think that there's a difference between, you know coming in with a very reasonable price uh, that you're talking about and then looking at it from maybe another company's perspective of, Oh man, how many things can we add on to get people to, to give us another 50 bucks or another 60 bucks? And I think Scott, that's where it gets into that we're really yeah. weird, uncomfortable zone. It gets, it gets hairy. I mean, part of it is that uh, for lack of a better term, it's kind of a feature creep problem where, yeah, you may have even planned for all of these uh, tiers. Um, the problem I ran into with Rock Runners is we ran out of tiers very quickly because it funded faster than we thought it would. And as a result, we we're like, well, we can't have 25 days of this thing where it's just nothing. You know, we, we got to do something. So we added new things and, and whatever. But I kept thinking to myself, every time we do one of these, I go, oh, if we just, you know, the basics, okay. Let's just get the mm. basic funding done and then we're okay. But because every time you hit a tier, you go, Oh, like it compounds itself. I got to now pay that guy to do this thing that we have him on the hook for if we hit a certain level. Okay, well, now that's a whole nother level of management. We got to manage that person, this person. Like it just gets more complicated the more you do. And, you know, some of that comes down to like, you know, I remember when Howard Taylor agreed to do the cover of my comic compilation, uh, prominent DC and Marvel artist. And I went, uh, yeah, that'd be amazing. And he was super jazzed to do it. But the whole time I'm thinking, I am wasting this guy's time. He, he has way better things to do. He's got, he's got JLA and flash stuff to do. And he, <laughs> he's really going to do my thing. And he's, and you know, he basically had to pull me aside, you know, via email anyway and say, dude, everything's cool. I love this. And I'm so excited you asked me to do it. And so there's a balance of like accepting that people are stoked to support you and balance that with not wanting to get too full of yourself with not wanting to get too unfull of yourself. And I don't know, it's a, it goes back to that, to that balance, but the bigger you hit, the more responsibility it is and the more fulfillment you got to do and the more people you got to pay and the more stuff you got to ship. And so a successful Kickstarter, people always look at that and go, Oh, you look at you, look what you did. And I'm like, yeah, I know <laughs> I'll see you the next year. I'm going to be really busy. <laughs> so what then, what then are for, there may be some people out there listening that are just like, uh, I want to start my own Kickstarter or I want to get a project out there. I see Scott, I see Jason having a huge success in Kickstarter. What give me like one big, huge bit of advice, Jason, that you would give to somebody that's wanting to, to launch a Kickstarter for the first time. The thing I always say to like first time people is I say it's, it's more important to fund than to not. And so I always ask that I, I would always say for your first project is to maybe take on a bit more risk than you normally would and mm. look at the Kickstarter as sort of a loan for the 50 to 75% else. And, and because like once you get one Kickstarter funded, it's kind of like the thing we were talking about earlier, Steven, people do have a bit more confidence in you. And then I think as you're running more Kickstarters, you can increase that number. But for the first one, I would be like, be very realistic with what your number is for funding. And then does that then help you later on? Does Kickstarter take notice of how many successes you've had, how many failures you've had, how, how what your delivery success rate is? Does that then play back into your next campaign? Do they do something to help promote you based on your success or no? From what I understand, uh, Kickstarter 
looks very favorably at the number of backers you have. Ah, okay. Like that is, I've, that's what I've always heard is the more important number is mm -hmm. how many people are actually there, not how much money they're spending. And so like if you, yeah, uh, there is a Kickstarter algorithm just like there is a Spotify algorithm and a YouTube algorithm. And it's, I've always understood it as it's like the number of backers. So yeah, if you keep returning to Kickstarter with more and more and more backers, the internal algorithm is going to notice you and pop you in all those categories that you see on Kickstarter's front page. More likely, they're more likely to do that just like YouTube is. Okay, cool. Scott, what about you? What, what's a bit of advice that you would give to somebody who wants to launch their Kickstarter for the first time? Um, my advice would be to have a plan as best you can. It may be your first time and you may not have people around you who've got some experience in this or some you know, business acumen or whatever, but just do your best to think ahead of every possible contingency. And that includes things like, I don't know, let's say you're making a card game and you know that in the middle of that process, you find out that there's new tariffs levied against China specifically against uh, the tariffs that go against cards, uh, card, oh, yeah, yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, you know, get, be, go deeper and say, I'm going to learn how these get made in general and where they get mm. made and why are they being made in China now? And why is it so expensive in the States? And is there an alternative here? And how about other places in the world? And just really educate yourself because as much as that sounds like a bunch of extra work, it first of all really isn't, but second of all, will pay off, uh, huge for, didn't for that, your plan. Didn't that uh, work on that project where you had everything printed here in the United States instead of China? So we did, but it happened as we were running or as we were getting ready to do the campaign, there was, there were rumors floating around in 2017, 2018 that we were going to, that the U S was going to apply a bunch of tariffs to China and Chinese exports and specifically that stuff. So I started looking into it and lo and behold, I found out one of the things on the docket that was being targeted was literally card games like they're specific about it mm -hmm. and I'm like whoa this isn't just printed paper products this isn't you know some general category they're talking about like the thing we're doing and so we reworked our plan to allow for that because it looked like it was going to happen and i'm really glad we did because we did print them here actually we used bicycle for most of it uh the people that make playing cards mm -hmm. um and then uh, another company for some of the from the some of the smaller run decks but uh, had we not done that, we'd have taken a bath on that deal. And did they cost a little bit more? Yes. Did people, uh, did that translate to people paying a little more per deck? Not really. I, we probably just overall had slightly less quantity, but about the same price and profit point, but it's all because we planned for that. It happened and we were able to, to adjust. And I know I have friends. Well, we, we have a mutual friend. I'm not going to bring it up because I don't know if anyone else, well, now I've kind of said it. But anyway, I know somebody who made a card game who got completely hosed on the deal because oh, yeah. of this. Yeah. Just completely hosed. Like they 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 never even broke even. Mm -hmm. And he's talked about a, it publicly. Has he? Okay. I just make yeah, sure yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember if that was told to me privately or what no, the deal was. If if it's the same person that you and I are thinking about, he's actually got a whole podcast where he talks about how he raised a million and a half dollars on Kickstarter and then lost uh, and still lost money. Yeah, so, that's the yeah. one I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. So it it's it's i guess i'm i would just say it would behoove people to just take that minute that it takes to really you know just find out all you can and really know your thing before you do your thing because you're going to you're already going to have the commitment you're not going to leave town you're not like one of those weird 
campaigns you always hear about where they run the campaign, take everybody's money, and then they all disappear. You're going to be really good about it. And that means that if you're going to lose money, you're going to still be good about it. You're going to, you're going to come through on your end of the deal, even if, even if it hurts. So do all you can in the beginning to make sure that that hurt is either lessened or not there at all. It doesn't mean you won't stress about it still, but I just think educating yourself about what you're about to push out, all parts of it, from shipping to logistics to everything, uh, the better off you're going to be. That'd be my advice. Okay. Listeners, I know you guys are interested in Kickstarters. You want to know more information about Kickstarters. Uh, Most of the time I hear people talk about Kickstarters, they're not as open as Jason and Scott are today. So hopefully you've got some good information uh, from that. Now, here's what you need to do. You need to go to superbestfriendcomic.com, okay? And you're going to look at the uh, at all the I've I'm now looking at all the pledges, right? I'm looking through all of these. Here's the one that I think is going to be the best bargain for you. Not maybe not the best bargain for Jason, but here's the one that I think is the best bargain for you. It's the digital book bonanza uh pledge level, 45 bucks. This is what you get. You get okay. science which is the first book that these guys did, which I have, and I love it. It's Jupiter Jet Volumes 1 and Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio, which is Volume 2, right? You get the behind-the-scenes scripts, inks, and colors of Super Best Friends 2. You get the Super Best Friends uh, issue number one, and you get Super Best Friends issue number two. That's correct. I think, honestly, if you guys are looking to spend some money, and I know you are, that's the pledge level that I would go for. I don't know what Jason thinks, but I think that's the sweet spot in this entire campaign, Jason. Sorry if that if you want people to do more. I sorry to ruin that for you, but that's it, it that's is, the spot. It's all, it's all no, no, it no, it's fine. I, I, I always uh, say to people that one dollar is just as important as twenty five. So yeah, and so I think that's the other thing that I like about but, your campaign, um, and no, I think some that's, other that's, yeah. I think some other people do this as well, where it's just like, hey, maybe you can't do this, so maybe you just want to pitch in without a reward maybe all you want is like to kick in a buck or two and that still helps no it does i will say like steven you are correct on that reward though because like digital comics are the rewards that i always get because Mm -hmm. i like digital comics i'm just throwing it out there um (laughs) and then and then the the other thing the secret about that is that you don't you don't have to wait on digital comics they they -hmm. come as soon as basic usually sometimes when the campaign fulfills you get them immediately yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what your fulfillment, I think you're saying September of this year is when you're looking to fulfill? Yes, yes. And I think all the uh, digital comics people will get theirs in May-ish. Wow. Well, I'm glad I'm getting that one. So you super... do get it a little early. You do get it a little early. Yeah. Superbestfriendcomic.com. Go and pledge today. We haven't heard from Rodrigo in a while. Hey. <laughs> I want to know what's going on with Pokemon Arcabus or whatever it's called because I started playing it and I got up to go to bed and in the morning you can go catch some Pokemon for us for right. literally the first 10 minutes of the game. Wow. It it does have a very slow start. Um, and if you're familiar with Pokemon, then you're expecting that because Pokemon games are little baby games for babies. And so they assume that every Pokemon game is going to be your very first Pokemon game. And so they teach you all of the basics every time, right? A lot of people um, just constantly screaming at uh, Game Freak and Nintendo and the Pokemon company to to let them skip the tutorial, but they won't because, you know, you don't want a baby to accidentally skip the tutorial. Uh, so there is that. I'm gonna uh, I am still half, playing it. I'm going to forget half that stuff anyway. 
press the minus button to get the map. I guarantee you, like 10 minutes into playing, I'm going to go, what button do I push to get the map again? And I start mashing everything. So I mean, I'm glad that's that fine. I will, there. I will say that uh, Legends Arceus uh, has more like distinct buttons than a lot of, I would say, even other open world adventure games. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a like ready thing to throw button. There's a aim button. There's a open the map button. Then there's like your menu, um, and then that's on top, of course, of the switches. Like take a picture and op- like basically going back to the home menu buttons. So you know, there's there's been multiple times when I'm like trying to do one thing and end up opening the map, or um, or I'm trying to like something that happens very often is uh there are mounts that you can get, mm-hmm. so you can ride mm-hmm. around on certain Pokemon. And usually the speed-up button is B, which is also the crouch button Oh, um, when you're not on a mount. So I'll be riding, and I'll be like, oh, uh, a Pokemon I haven't caught yet. And I'll press B instinctively, because I want to duck down. And so the the the, uh, the Pokemon I'm riding will just sprint through the, uh, through the mass of Pokemon that are there, uh, either scaring them all or immediately aggroing them to chase after me. So, so um, in your opinion, is this still the best Pokemon game, or is or is it still, or is it not the best or the best? Or how how do you rank this among the other games? This is definitely one of the best Pokemon games I've ever played. Um, it's so one thing that that this game does, and and a reason why some people don't like it is because it doesn't try to be everything to everyone, right? So the the previous well, the previous, previous game to this, uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield, um, was a main entry in the Pokemon franchise, which means it has a single-player game uh, in which you catch the Pokemon. Maybe you got to catch them all. Maybe you don't. You can finish the game without catching all the Pokemon. You can also complete your Pokedex. And also, it sort of hosts competitive Pokemon fighting, which is its own thing. It's a very popular eSport um, there are all kinds of tournaments and have been for several years. Um, there's an entire um, competitive Pokemon uh, side to things, the way people play Magic the Gathering competitively, the way people play uh, League of Legends competitively, uh, the people play Pokemon competitively. So that game has to exist in all of those arenas. And if any of those are off, it kind of sours the people that care about that specific thing, right? Oh, yeah. Um, especially like competitive Pokemon people are very loud. Uh, they're also where a lot of the uh, obvious money is because there's tournaments and stuff like that. Um, so, for example, this this game, Sword and Shield, didn't have all of the Pokemon, right? There were Pokemon that are still not in Sword and Shield, and people are angry about that. Uh, because they want to have the option of playing with every sort of Pokemon, and what does it do to competitive when not all the Pokemon are available, and blah, blah, blah. Arceus doesn't try to do that. Arceus is a single-player game. There's no competitive. You can't even fight with, like, somebody else. Like, you just... You play this game by yourself. There's trading, but you don't need to trade. There are ways around it. Um, This is all about creating that experience of you, like, crouching through the woods trying to like catch like a little little baby squirrel pokemon and then when you turn the corner there's a mama squirrel pokemon that's like 
10 times larger than it and it roars at you and you freak out and you throw the wrong thing at it and it kills you or maybe you manage to get your pokemon out in time and beat it and capture it um it's it basically that's the experience that arceus is going for um as opposed to trying to be something where you breed pokemon to play competitively that that aspect isn't even there yeah scott you've been playing this right or no are you not a no, Pokemon fan? I've been on the edge. Um, I said something on Twitter about trying to get people to convince me because it does sound like a departure that interests me. Um, you know, making it more open world and uh, just, I don't know, attacking it from a, something different from the last two decades or more yeah. uh, seems kind of cool to me. But um, yeah, I just haven't pulled the trigger. Part of it is I got too many other things to play at the moment and I got big, big games coming up this month that I've got to review. And what, so what's the big games coming up this month? Uh, you got your um, uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Oh, right, right, right. Follow up to Zero Dawn, which came mm-hmm. out in 2017, 17, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, very highly uh, anticipated. A PS4 and PS5. Um, PS5 version looks to be uh, gorgeous. So I'm excited wait, to get my there's, hands There's uh, actually, wait, there's a PS5? Yeah, there's a PlayStation 5. Because I, I go to the store. I go to the stores and they're like, no, we have no such thing as a PlayStation 5. Yeah, very difficult to find. Um, but I got lucky. Um, it helps to have fans who uh, <laughs> are looking out for you. And one of them found one and said, hey, I can ship this. Here's what I paid and didn't even scalp me for it. And I said, all right, let's do it. That's nice. Um, but yeah, that's a that's going to be a big one. It's going to take a ton of time right now. I'm playing a game called um, Dying Light 2, Stay, uh, Stay mm-hmm. Human, which is mm-hmm. a follow-up to Dying Light 1, which is a very popular game back in uh, a few years ago. And uh, that's a very cool game. If you like uh, running from zombies in parkour style, like across rooftops, that game's pretty rad. I can even get my swinging through New York City as Spider-Man uh, <laughs> rhythm down, so I doubt that that game's going to be for me. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe but not. I think, Rodrigo, try to convince Scott to play um, Pokemon Archibus. Archibus. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, I I guess what I would say is that um if you are curious about this sort of open world catching monsters game, the the biggest thing it has going for it is that it um you don't need to know a lot about Pokemon. Like you don't need to know all of the hidden stats, you don't need to know anything. Um you don't need to necessarily know the type matchups. It helps a lot, but um the the game will sort of supplement that uh, as you go. It's it really is just like it's an exploration game, right? Um, like Breath and of the Wild. Yeah, it and and like in Breath of the Wild, I, I was ta- I've been talking about it a lot, and um, you know we're talking about how it has aspects of Breath of the Wild, aspects of Skyrim, aspects of like even Fallout, um, and just in how the game feels. And one big aspect of it, it com- I think, comes from Pokemon Snap. You know, there's like times when you're walking around and you look over and there's a giant alpha, uh, like alpha Pokemon, and it's like kind of patrolling its territory. And at the center of its territory, there's a bunch of, you know, lower evolutions, basically baby versions of that Pokemon sleeping, right? So it's. It's the first game where it really feels like Pokemon exist in an environment and interact with it and cover like ecological niches and and things like that. Um, Some Pokemon run away from you. Some Pokemon attack you. Some Pokemon just walk up to you like idiots. Um, And, you know, it's just kind of like 
what is just a lot of stuff that you get to discover as you go. I know who all these Pokemon are, and a very little of it comes from like I already know what a Bidoof is. Um, a lot of it comes from, um, yeah, just from being like, okay, here's here's a new way to look at this Pokemon in its own like little environment. Now I'm gonna disrupt it by throwing a Pokeball at it. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, yeah. are you, do you play any of the Pokemon games? Do, are you guys, are you and Ashley big Switch uh, players or anything? No, I, I don't. Like, Steven, you actually t- bringing up Spider-Man PS4, like, I was like, that's the last video game I played, actually. <laughs> that's why just, you're so busy making rad comics and stuff, is because he is not killing a bunch of time with video games. So maybe there's a lesson I, here. I want to do video games, but... I'll be honest, uh, a weekend comes and my son's still in soccer. Even in the middle of winter, we go down to Wichita and do these soccer, indoor soccer league things, futsal, for those of you that know what that is. It's crazy, insane soccer. And that eats up a whole day. So by the time I come back the next day, I've like, okay, I've got to prep for the week. I've got to prep for classes. I got to do all this stuff. Oh, you want to play video games? I don't have an hour to sit down to play a video game because I know if I sit down for an hour, it'll turn into three hours and then my day will be definitely ruined. So. I, it's for me, it's finding the time I'm in the exact the same boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's, it's tough. I, I wish I did. I mean, uh, like I said, I went ahead and got the, uh, the Pokemon game here on my switch. So I've bought the game twice, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and I've gotten like 10 minutes into the game. I'm like, I haven't had a chance to sit down and play this cause I'm so, so busy. Mm-hmm. The solution, I mean, the solution is I need to cancel more podcasts. I have I have two or three podcasts that are completely dedicated to games, <laughs> games news, industry stuff, reviews of games. I I kind of have to. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's so your job. Weird, so yeah, a that's position to be in, and because there's some weeks where I'm like, I don't feel like playing anything, and yet you know I got to. So that's that's why I started streaming because I'm like, what am I already doing? Uh, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna pay to watch me eat a plate of ice cream sandwiches. Right. Well, maybe some people would, <laughs> but. Maybe somebody would, but what am I doing that's broadly likable? I was like, oh, I play video games, so I'm just going to start playing video games online and see how that goes. I'll be be honest, when I was really doing the Twitch stuff uh, before pandemic started, and I was doing that every weekend, routine, building up the numbers, even when pandemic started and I was doing lunchtime game time, it was, Mm -hmm. I need an excuse to play games so I don't get yelled at for sitting around playing games all day. I'll turn it into part of the job and that will that will at least allow me to write these games off for tax purposes so yeah it's the uh definitely i mean certainly gen x is welcome there too but it's the millennial way it's like shut up i i I want to i want to do stuff i i have hobbies how do i monetize my hobbies so i i don't feel bad about basically not be not like um yeah about not not about like wait quote unquote wasting my time right yeah uh, mm, mm. Jason are you Gen X or are you millennial I'm millennial yeah I I, I know that curse very well yeah every hobby must be monetized <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's great look the best part about it is we're Gen X and we don't care so you're fine don't worry about it <laughs> I mean I care about it. <laughs> Gen X does not care about anything I don't care whatever I've le- I have less poops to give every day Stephen just every day. I'm getting I'm kind of getting that way where and I don't know if it's a factor of age or if it is something else because 10 years ago uh, Rodrigo knows this Jason knows this too 10 years ago it was Stephen's up until two in the morning working on this stuff nonstop Stephen's doing all this stuff nonstop 
And it was just like, do, 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 do. Let's make sure that everything's covered. Let's make sure we're doing all this stuff. And now it's like, hey, you guys want to cancel a show tonight? Okay, I'm fine with that. Mm. And I don't, I don't know if that's a process of getting older <laughs> or what. So, well, it's, I mean, a big part of it is a workflow thing, right? It's like you've, you've figured out a lot of ways to reduce the amount of work you do to get a, like basically the same product out. Yeah. But yeah, man, it's like, uh, life, life doesn't stop. You've got stuff to do, but also you've got people to talk to and relationships to maintain and, people to stay away from and also sleep. So yeah. it's like, you got to do all that. So you got to make time for all that. If you don't, you start breaking, especially as you get older. Well, and then my kids are to the point now where they're actually kind of fun to hang out with, you know, back when they're like five and six, it's like, yeah, we can do fun things, but you guys can't do like, yeah, you gotta, things. you gotta do their stuff. It's like now yeah, yeah. at least you can kind of get them to do the stuff that you want to do. Oh yeah. yeah. Cause now they're like, Oh, let's play the same game together or let's do this together. Or, you know, with my oldest, he's driving now. So it's like, Hey, let's go out for a drive and you can get some driving in or the youngest. He's like, dad, you want to just sit and watch gravity falls all weekend long with me? And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. So <laughs> there are things yeah. that do take up that spot. So, yeah, I don't know, Scott, is that, you don't have those issues now, or did you have that I when mean, your kids were in that middle school, high school? I mean, there. Uh, I've always so gaming was always part of the upbringing. So they, mm -hmm. you know, they were always in my lap when they were too little to do anything, watching me play whatever I was playing. And um, you know, you playing Half Life in 1998 with a four year old is is quite a cool experience. Um, but as time went on, they became gamers themselves. They still are. Um, you know, my oldest is 27 now, and that's crazy. Holy crap. Uh, and my other daughter's 24, my son is 21. And like right now I can hear them upstairs. They're playing something uh, over the internet. Everyone at their respective apartments, my one daughter's still here and they're all playing right now. Like it's a thing that we see as a part of the family being together mm -hmm. uh, sort of thing. So, so yeah, like the older they got, the more, the better they got at games, the more we would play them together. It was never a thing like now do your homework or not enough game. It was almost more like, you know, I had, to, I had to control myself and say, all right, we'll play later. We'll get your homework done. And we'll all play later. It was that kind of yeah. thing. Um, so we, we broke down those walls and now those walls are just gone and they love gaming and we're constantly sharing things with each other, screenshots, you know, thoughts, comments, some YouTuber, somebody found about something funny about an old game they remember or whatever. And, um, yeah, it's it's possible to do. But now, you know, my oldest has a little boy and he's three, just turned three. And uh, he loves watching games, but he doesn't know how to do it yet. Mm -hmm. you know, he's too little, but I'm sure that cycle will happen all over again. He'll be all set to go. And his mom and dad are both gamers and it's, it's different now. Everybody's yeah. into it. Yeah. Uh, the only problem that I mean, uh, the oldest is totally into games. Uh, I think he's playing Rust right now is the game that he's into with his friends. Mm -hmm. Um the youngest plays whatever on roadblocks. That's what he's into, yeah. uh, which is cool. Uh, so yeah, we kind of, we kind of do the thing and we kind of communicate about that stuff. But if they put a controller in my hand and said, Hey dad, let's play, you know, FIFA soccer. I'd be like, you're going to beat me every <laughs> single time. I suck <laughs> at those games. So, um, I want to, I want to, I want to do my plug here. Uh, patreon.com slash major spoilers. That's how you can support this show and everything that we do at the major spoilers podcast network. Uh, every dollar that goes into our Patreon, minus the stuff that Patreon takes out, of course, uh, goes right back into making major spoilers grow. 
one of the things that we do to make major spoilers grow is at different tiers, kind of like the Kickstarter campaigns, you can get really cool rewards. And uh, one of the reward tiers is you get an original art print uh, that comes to your door whenever, you know, they get sent out. Uh, it's supposed to be monthly, but sometimes they group them together uh, and you get like three or four at a time. Uh, the person who does our art is Scott's middle kid, Carter Johnson. And yeah. I am looking at right now the February art. And if you're a fan of the Spider-Mans and I say mans, uh, I think you're going to dig. I think you're going to dig uh, this month's art print. So yeah. what if you like all of this uh, cinematic Spider-Man representations? What if you like Tobey Maguire? You liked uh, the, the other day. No spoilers, dude. please. Can't think of oh, his man. name. Oh, man. Spoiler. But you know, like what if you yeah, liked yeah. all the movies? What if you're into them? Uh, you know. Then I'm sure that there would be some way for you to get all of them. You don't have to wait till February. Well, you probably have to wait till after February 28th, but uh, February 28th <laughs> is when that movie finally drops and I can finally watch it. Um, but yeah, if you, if you want to, if you want to get an art print from Carter Johnson, uh, then head over to our Patreon page, look it up, patreon.com slash major spoilers. I really, I really dig this. I really dig this piece. So there you go. She did a really good job on this one. I like it. As yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like seeing her art evolve. Uh, that's the one thing that I think is really cool is seeing her art evolve over. She's been doing this, what, two or three years for us. Um, yeah, she started. So her first uh, art experience was on a tablet. I mean, this, this speaks to the generation of artists we're now experiencing, but she started on a tablet. It was at the time, it was just an old iPad and she was using her finger and she just got really good really quick and then just sort of graduated to other techniques. She ended up going to school for this. She graduated uh, college last year. Wow. Um, the degree and is you know she's really really good that's yeah. it's embarrassing it's and not embarrassing i'm incredibly proud but she lapped me a long time ago uh jason if you're looking for new future artists to collaborate with i highly recommend carter johnson she's very good get her now before she moves to singapore and works for a video game company. i, will, I don't know what she's gonna do <laughs> oh okay wow all right noted <laughs> uh, jason are you going back to theaters yet? Or have you headed back into the movie theaters yet? We went back twice last year because the movie that broke it for me was Dune because mm -hmm. I, I was, I didn't, that was the one I needed to see on the big screen. Yeah. Um, we did see Spider-Man no way home on the big screen as well, but that's the only two we've seen. I, it, it the Batman might get us there, but, I don't know. That's, I don't know. Like I'm still, it's funny. I've just loved watching movies at home now. I've, I've, uh, so I've do I. And, and I mean, I've got, we've got a big screen and a nice, uh, you know, surround sound and all that. But I've, there have been a couple times where I was just like, even last weekend, I was ready to go the wife. Let's go see if the Spider-Man movie is still in the theater. But then I'm like, the movie theater experience is just so bad in our town that I don't want to, but then the Batman's coming up next month. And I'm like, uh, I might, uh, I'm very tempted. Rodrigo, you haven't gone back to the theaters. Have you? The last thing I saw in theaters was Shang-Chi. So that was relatively recently. Okay. Um, but but no. W what else come out? Spider-Man, Eternals. Um, I don't know. I didn't go see Green Knight, even though I was very like excited about it. Um, it's just... Uh, theater... The theater-going experience is not great. And also, I have comorbidities with going to the theater that sometimes mm. flare up. Mm -hmm. so yeah this this deal of like well i just have to like cover my ears and go la 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 until the movie <laughs> i want to watch 
I... uh, comes out on streaming on on one of the services that I already have. Like it's it's yeah. great. I have been very careful slash good about avoiding all of the Spider-Man's um, spoilers, except for the stuff that I kind of already knew was going to happen. Yeah. You know, uh, you know what's going to happen. But there's some other bits that I know nothing about the story. I know nothing. I mean, I know the setup. I know what we've seen in the trailers. I know the big, you know, oh, guess who's good. You'll never guess what Tobey Maguire. Spoiler alert. I was like, no, you know I kind of already knew that kind of stuff. You know, what's but, funny is uh, my uh, my wife is not a big Marvel movies fan. Like she's mm-hmm. seen maybe four of them, maybe five. Um, and, but she went to see uh, the new Spider-Man because she went to see it with a client. One of our clients wanted to, oh, yeah, yeah. to go see it. So uh, she she actually got to see it. And she's like, uh, do you want to like come join us on this? And I'm like, no, I'm I'm busy doing something else. And like she felt like super bad that she got to see Spider-Man and I hadn't seen it. And I'm like, don't worry about it. I'm over it. Right. It's like, I'll see Spider-Man when it comes out on streaming. Yeah. My oldest has seen it. And he's also been very good about not just like, dad, did you know that so-and-so shows up in this? So I'm like, I cannot wait for February 28th to roll around. But I don't know, Scott, are you heading back to the theater anytime soon? Or are you just, uh, I'm staying well, at home and you know, I went to the last movie I saw in theaters was Sonic in 2019 toward the end of the year. I wasn't yeah. already going nice. all the time as it was. We were already sort of doing the home thing more often than not because I don't know, theater going experience is always a mixed bag, cost too much money, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we did venture out for that new Spider-Man. What a month ago, whatever it was. Oh really? Okay. I didn't know that you broke down and saw yeah. it. We went and really liked it, but hated the experience the, the yeah the, oh that's the, right yeah okay, theaters now, are now yeah it's a dump they'd let it go and i don't you know again no offense to anyone involved but it, it's clear that that place is on its last leg and it used to be this premier beautiful place so i don't know what happened there but all it did was cement my idea that even the stuff that hits theaters only now it shows up at home within a month or two i don't i'm fine waiting yeah i am too i guess i can i can wait but you know sometimes that's the hardest part, but that's the the risk. And I, and I guess I'm also doing it because, you know, I kind of want to send that message. Not that Steven Schleicher, one, one voice out there is going to convince the industry to go back to the day and date theatrical and home release. But I really think that's where they can make their most money. Um, of course I've been harping on that for 15 years, ever since major spoilers started. Mm-hmm. So I don't yeah. know what you think about that, Jason, if, if that's the, you know what? I mean, you guys, you and Ashley are right there in the middle of Hollywood and dealing with a lot of that stuff on a regular basis. What's what's the what's the feel? What's the vibe there about the digital day and date release? Is everyone over that? Uh, yeah, you'd be surprised. I, I actually think even out here, people think that it should just drop um, immediately on streaming. But I will say there, there, there will always be diehards. I mean, I know plenty of them that champion the screen and, and I, I understand that. Um, but I just think technology is one of those aspects where, you know, it's, it's the same as eBooks didn't kill books. We still have bookstores. We don't have Mm -hmm. many. Um, but I, I think people will still go to movie theaters, but it will be only for like a Dune or a Spider-Man or a thing like that. Um, You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird, it's one of those places where you want, kind of want movie theaters to kind of innovate in some different way. And then we'll go back to movie theaters in a mm-hmm. big, bad way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that would be the the way to do it. But 
you know, I've talked before, uh, we've talked before way back on Zach on film with, uh, George Lucas and uh, Spielberg coming out and saying, Hey, the movie going experience is going to be for big movies only. You're not going to see the independent stuff. You're just going to go and see, you know, something like West side story. And it's going to play in theaters for months because people want to make it a, a big to do. And, you know, uh, I'm sure he wasn't thinking Spider-Man would be the, the number one box office, even though it only got one Oscar nomination and West side story's got what three or four. Um, but you know, I think that, I think the nature of movie going is, is, um, uh, is not going to be the it's same changing. going forward. Yeah. It's changing. Whether people like it or not, I was already heading that way. So for me, this just feels natural. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I get that, the, that a lot of people are sad. They're not there every weekend. Yep. General chat shows generally ramble and go in a lot of different directions, but I think we covered a lot of stuff this week. Uh, Jason, one more time, where can people find your Kickstarter and how much longer do they have to get over there and, uh, and, uh, and support it? They have until March 3rd at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you can find it at superbestfriendcomic.com. Very cool. Where else can people follow your, your daily antics? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jawin. That's J-A-W-I-I-N. And uh, you can listen to me on the Geek History Lesson podcast with Ashley Victoria Robinson, which is part of the Major Spoilers Network. There you go. You can find it right there. Uh, Scott Johnson, once again, it's always a pleasure to have you with us. This was a really good, uh, fun, relaxing time. We'll be back to some regular stuff, I think, next next month when you're back. But yeah. uh, tell people where they can find your latest shenanigans. Well, uh, I got all kinds of cool stuff going on. We talked a little bit about gaming. I'm kind of currently obsessed with a new show I launched called Play Retro with Brian Dunaway, an old uh, collaborator of mine and co-host for a long time and lots of shows. And we are really, really passionate, it turns out, about games we grew up with. I grew up with a dad who owned arcades and had arcade machines in the house and people would come over all the time and put, you know, Missile Command on free play all afternoon and that sort of thing, and and uh, it's a real nostalgic thing for us. So we are super jazzed about it. It's going great so far. Six episodes in. If that sounds interesting to you at all, uh, go check it out. Our last episode was all about the run and gun genre, contra to, to uh, uh, metal slug, gun stars, heroes. Uh, metal slug is one of my favorite series of all time. Nice one, Rodrigo. We share a love for that. Uh, amazing games and the history of them all. How we got where we're at, and what even some modern games that are you know, definitely owe their, their existence to, to that legacy. Um, so if that sounds interesting, each and every episode is like that. And uh, you can check it out anywhere you get your podcast. Just look for play retro, or you can go to frogpants.com slash play retro. Very cool. My youngest and I like to play um, uh, metal slug on the main system and just oh, yeah. burn through that the as far as we can go. Neo Geo slash SNK arcade version of metal slug three in particular. It's mm-hmm. so That's the one we play is, is, uh, is three. Yeah. Three is amazing. Put it on free play though, or you'll never get past those stupid crabs. (laughs) Yeah. We have a thing where it's, um, because it's just a main cabinet, we can just keep hitting the player button and it'll keep adding virtual coins in. So it works out really great. Rodrigo, where can people find you and all of the fun that you're doing, especially your streaming stuff? Yeah. So, uh, to, to watch me stream games, uh, you go to twitch.tv slash L Pikachon. That's, E-L-P-I-K-A-C-H-O-N. Um, you know, if you want to watch something awesome like me trying to troubleshoot my uh, closed captioning while everybody in the chat just like shouts suggestions for me to try. Um, I, also, I play video games and talk about other stuff. If you want to find sort of like the, the hub of everything I'm doing, that'll be on Twitter. And that's at Fearsome Critter 
on on Twitter. All right, there you go. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. We'll be back next week to talk about comic books. Why? Because we know that you love comics. We do, too. And we will talk with you soon. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.